Welcome to Christchurch Manchester Sermon Podcast. CCM is one church that meets every Sunday in various locations across Manchester. For more information about who we are or about our Sunday meetings, please visit www.christchurchmanchester.com. When I was a child, every year we'd go on holiday to Wales. My mum and dad are here, they can remember this story, they don't know where I'm going with it just yet. So every year we'd go to Wales, and it was a long journey from my homeland in Nottingham. Um, we'd all be packed in the back of the car, and these are the days before car seats and health and safety gone mad with things like seat belts. We'd be sat in the back of the car, all squashed in, me and my two brothers, um, on this very long journey to Wales. About five hours, something like that, with a a trailer or a caravan on the back. Uh, So we'd set off from Nottingham, going up and over the hills. And on my left would be my older brother, Dan. He would have been uh, maybe about 14. And Dan, also just to remember, uh, these are the days where there were no in-car screens there were no mobile phones. I don't think they'd even been invented back then. There were no gadgets. Um, so there was nothing to entertain you. So on this journey, as we're driving along, big brother Dan on the left, what he liked to do on these long journeys would have a big road atlas. So for you younger folk, that's like printed sheets of Google Maps in, in a book. And he used to go through those maps looking, just browsing the Great Britain and Northern Ireland, all the roads. He just loved to do that. Rich, I think you might like that kind of thing. So, so he'd go through, looking at all these maps, very happy, even if it was a long journey. To my right was my next brother, Tim, four years older than me. So he was about 11. And what Tim liked to do was he'd maybe have a, uh, a nice uh, blank sketch pad, and he'd be drawing, maybe looking out the window for inspiration. Maybe he'd draw our guinea pigs at home, or maybe a rabbit. So maybe a beautiful sunset scene. Or maybe design some incredible piece of engineering. So that was what Tim was doing on the right. And then there was me in the middle, just getting really, really bored, really irritated, and starting to make lots of strange noises. Um, And I can remember on this particular journey, this particular year, as we drove towards Barmouth, um, and we pulled into a lay-by, and my mum and dad went to phone our gran and grandpa to let them know, you know that we weren't far away, that we were going to be there soon, because remember, no mobile phones. And I can remember I, became, I was wiggling around and making noises and being really irritable. And my oldest brother, Dan, the Atlas brother, he said to me, Tom, if you carry on making these noises, I'm going to punch you. <laughs> and this is very unlike Dan. He's a very gentle person. Um, so there was a pause, and then I carried on making lots of noises, and then amazingly and surprisingly, Dan's arm flung from the road atlas around and smashed me in, my, in the nose, and blood started pouring out. <laughs> anyway, I couldn't wait for mum and dad to come back from the telephone box, and when they did, I told them all about it, and do you know what they did? Very little. <laughs> and that's not a reflection on their parenting, but it shows just how annoying I'd been. Um, and I didn't get the sympathy that I wanted. So on that journey, we all had very different experiences. Even though we all got to go on the same holiday in the same car. We had very different experiences. And today we are, of course, looking at the day when Jesus rose again, when he came back to life. And we're going to look at the experiences of three people and how they were all very different 
but they all reached the same life-changing belief about Jesus. It's probably a story that you're very familiar with. So whilst you might not hear a brand new message, my prayer is that our hearts will experience something new as a result of what we hear. In fact, I'll pray now. Lord, thank you. Thank you for this incredible truth, this true story of what happened all those years ago. Lord, would you do something new in our hearts and in our minds by your spirit? Amen. Amen. So hopefully it'll appear on screen. The passage I'm going to be reading is taken from the book of John in the Bible. So you can read along on there or if you've got a Bible or an app or uh, just, just listen to this. So John chapter 20. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, they've taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they've put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running. But the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but didn't go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went inside. He saw and believed. They still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to where they were staying. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white, seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, woman, why are you crying? They've taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they've put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she didn't realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it you're looking for? Thinking it was a gardener, she said, sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've put him and I'll get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned towards him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabbani, which means teacher. Jesus said, do not hold on to me for I've not yet ascended to the father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them I'm ascending to my father and your father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news. I've seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. Wow, so it has been quite a few days. So barely a week ago, if you cast your mind back, Jesus has ridden into Jerusalem on a donkey. The crowds went wild. The Messiah was going to do something amazing. People were cutting down what? That was the only hand up, so that wins. Thank you, Andy. So they were, they'd cut down palm palm leaves and what else and what do they do with the palm leaves they put them on the floor what else was on the floor coat not goat coat and they just give it to somebody else 
Um, you're going to have to be in charge of that, Andy, because that's going to be too distracting for me. So they put down coats and they put down palm trees, palm leaves on the floor. They were chanting, Hosanna, Hosanna. And then, so th this is a big deal. If you've been to a football match, imagine the crowd, the atmosphere, people chanting or shouting. Um, and then it's gone horribly, horribly wrong. It turns out one of their own pals, one of their own friends was a traitor, Judas. Jesus has been arrested and then the crowds have turned on him and he gets killed on a cross as a criminal and now it's all over. It says in the previous chapter, just before the bit I've written, uh, I read here, it says that at the place where Jesus was crucified, there was a garden with a new tomb. So after Jesus has died on the cross, a rich man called Joseph of Arimathea has taken Jesus' body and he and another person called Nicodemus, remember that guy? Remember that guy, Nicodemus? He's back. Well, those two have wrapped Jesus' body with spices in strips of linen, a bit, a bit like an Egyptian mummy. I think that's the, the nearest thing I can uh, understand it as being. And this body's been put in a new tomb, a bit like a cave, and a big stone's been rolled in front of it. And we know from um, another one of the Gospels about Jesus in Matthew 27 that Mary Magdalene and someone called the other Mary were sitting opposite the tomb watching on. That was on Friday. Who knows what happened on Saturday? No idea. I imagine it was not a happy day. Um, so that was Saturday. Tough day for everyone. And then we get to Sunday and it is early. The sun hasn't even risen. People think it might have been around five o'clock in the morning. And we know from the other Gospels that a group of women has been to look at the tomb. And here in John's write-up that we've just heard, we hear specifically about one of those women, Mary Magdalene, a.k.a. Mary of Magdala. So what we're going to do now is we're going to look at their different experiences on that, on that day. So let's start off with the one described as the disciple who Jesus loved, who people believe is uh, John. So let's look at him. So John was the first to believe that Jesus had been resurrected, it seems. In this passage, John was faster than Peter. So if there was ever a Jerusalem Park run, we know John would have beaten Peter. He gets there first is what it tells us. But when he gets there, he held back from going into the tomb. It says he stood outside waiting. But when, when John did go inside the tomb, it says he ended up believing simply based on the strips of linen and cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' body and had been wrapped around his head that were lying there neatly, like folded up nicely. So if a thief had stolen Jesus' body, it... That wouldn't have happened, would that? Somebody wouldn't have stolen a body, but just before that, they unwrap all of the bits of linen, put them in nice, neat piles. That wouldn't have happened. You can understand how John would have come to that conclusion. Or if somehow Jesus had survived, which was impossible, it's ludicrous to think that Jesus would have been able to unwrap himself of all of those uh, grave clothes uh, and then to neatly put it in piles where his body was. So John, it says in that passage, John believed based on the evidence. He believed on what he saw. But what about the next guy, Simon Peter? Quick mouth, 
slow legs. I love how Peter seems to barge his way straight into the tomb. So John had got there first. He's hanging around outside wondering what's going on. Maybe it didn't seem right to get into a tomb maybe where there's a, a, a dead body. But Peter arrives and he doesn't care. And in going into the tomb, Peter spots something that you couldn't see from the outside. If you read the passage, it talks about how Peter went in and saw the burial cloth, the one that went around Jesus' head. And this seems to be the evidence that clinched it for John. Now, we don't know what Peter was thinking, but if you're familiar with what's happened in the previous days, um, it's likely that Peter has got a whole range of emotions that he's feeling at at that time. Just a few days uh, before, you know that... um, Peter has denied Jesus three times, uh, despite having said to Jesus he was going to be with him to the end. And it doesn't say that Peter believed at this stage, but we know that later that night, Jesus appeared to the disciples, and it's likely that that would have included Peter. And we see Peter's passion for Jesus again later in John, in this book, when um, they're on a boat, and uh, it says that... um, Jesus is on the beach, and they've had a bad night's fishing. We see Peter's passion. It says that uh, John, again, said to Peter, um, it's the Lord. So John spots Jesus on the beach, and uh, immediately Peter jumps overboard into the water. I don't know if you've seen that scene in Forrest Gump, where Forrest Gump sees uh, Lieutenant Dan, and he just jumps straight off the boat. He's so keen to see him. Well, this is what's happened here that Peter is so amazed to see Jesus, he just jumps off the boat to go uh, to see him. Peter was a man of passion, even if it sometimes got him into trouble. So we've had John, we've had Peter. Quick question before we move on. What do you think is the most popular name at the moment for newborn baby girls? Olivia. Olivia, bingo. That was meant to go on for a little longer than that, but that's fantastic. Um, six years running, Olivia. Oh, you're a primary school teacher, aren't you, Rich? Um, yes, Olivia, most popular name. Now, I think if it worked like this, if you were at school 2,000 years ago, I think you'd have been sat next to a lot of people called Mary, from what I see in the Bible. Very, very popular name. Um, we would see a lot of them in the New Testament. Um, And it's easy to get all the Marys mentioned in the Bible muddled up. You know, which Mary are we talking about here? But this Mary, Mary Magdalene, was an absolute hero. When she first met Jesus, if you read the other books about Jesus' life, the other Gospels, you'll find out that when uh, Mary Magdalene first met Jesus, she was overwhelmed by darkness. But Jesus cast out seven demons from within her and completely changed her life. I, mean, I can't imagine what that must have looked like. I can't imagine what a transformation that would have been from before she encountered Jesus to after. So she's had this enormous, incredible transformation in her life. And Mary Magdalene was there at the end when everyone else had deserted the cross. We know from the Gospels that Mary Magdalene um, had stayed around to see where they put Jesus' body. As I mentioned, she watched where they took the the body, where they put it. So she's there at the cross toward the end. She's there when they're putting Jesus' body in the tomb. 
And then she's the first there uh, with the other women going as soon as they can to anoint Jesus' body. So Mary had experienced a dramatic miracle in her life and she was devoted to Jesus. She was the first person in history to see the risen Jesus. So as I talk about those three different people and their three different experiences, I don't know who you feel like the most, whether you can relate to any of those three people with uh, where you're at with your faith, whether you feel more like thoughtful John, who seems to have believed based on the evidence in front of him, or maybe passionate Peter, who's like a bull in a china shop. One minute he says he's going to die for Jesus, uh, and then he says, I don't even know who that guy is. And then he's jumping into his tomb, seemingly all over the place. Or maybe Mary, who's had some really dark experiences. Her life seemed to be in such a mess, but she's experienced an incredible miracle. And she's consistently focusing on Jesus, worshipping him. Or maybe one of the other disciples, you might be familiar with uh, Thomas, who doubted, even though all his mates had said they'd seen the risen Jesus. Sometimes we can compare our faith with other people. We might wish we were more passionate like this person, or we had more faith like that person. Or maybe we um, wish we had more awe towards Jesus, or we wish we had these miraculous, dramatic experiences in our life that we know other people might have had. But listen to what Jesus says to Mary. He said to, the, he said to tell the disciples, he says, tell them, I'm ascending to my father and your father, to my God and your God. So the, the key thing Jesus was saying here was, he's not sticking around. He's going to the father. But look at how what he did was for all the disciples, for anyone who puts their trust in him, for followers of Jesus, for the most passionate among us, maybe like Peter, as well as the more thoughtful, for the incredible worshippers, as well as those who struggle with doubt. It's Jesus' death and resurrection that saves us. We've just got to be on board because we've all been on the same journey. It all went horribly wrong in a garden. And now it's just on incredibly right in a different garden. Because whoever we are, we're all more like Adam. Remember that guy, Genesis, right at the beginning? Is that a yes? I think that deserves a chocolate for good engagement, Andy. Yeah, whoever we are, we're all more like Adam who did the one thing God told him not to do in the Garden of Eden. If you can remember that story, (laughs) if you can remember that story, but um, God says, don't touch that tree or you'll die. Remember that? Simple instruction, don't touch that tree or you'll die. And what did Adam do? He sure did. He touched it and he had a gobble up of that fruit. And since then, we've all felt the effect in our lives, in the world around us. We all mess up. We all get things wrong. 
We all say things we regret. We do things we wished that we hadn't done. It's in our blood. As all as a result of what went wrong in the Garden of Eden. Now, if we were to fast forward thousands of years, here we have Jesus in a garden. That's interesting, isn't it? And there's another amazing thing. Does anyone know what else do they call the cross in the Bible? There's another name for the cross. Anyone know? You ever heard anyone call the cross something else? Tree. Tree. So, we've got Jesus in the garden, and we know from the previous passage, the previous chapter, this garden is right next to the, uh, the cross, a tree. And like the tree in the Garden of Eden, this was also a tree that would bring death. The cross would bring death. And Jesus knew that. Jesus knew that the cross was going to bring death. So we've got a man in a garden with a tree that would bring death. So can you see the similarities that we've got there? A man in a garden and a tree that would bring death. But whereas Adam and Eve were clearly told, do not touch that tree or bad things will happen. So that's what Adam and Eve were told, right? Do not, don't touch that tree. Do not touch that tree or bad things are going to happen. This time, it was God's will for Jesus to go to that tree, the cross. Do go to the cross to the tree. Yes, and bad things will happen to you. And Jesus has done that because God loved us so much and wanted us to be friends with him, forgiven of anything we've ever done. But this is the great bit that whereas Adam and Eve then had to leave the garden, Jesus was perfect so gets to go back to the Father in heaven. And if we put our trust in him, we get to go with him. And here's a verse um, in another book in the Bible called 1 Peter that helps to explain that. It says this about Jesus. It says, he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. I'll read that again. Talking about Jesus. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree. So he took on all of the mess and the bad stuff in our lives. Jesus bore all of that in his body on the tree, on the cross, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. So, whether you're passionate and fiery, whether you're more level-headed, a studier of apologetics and a big reader, or maybe you hate reading, maybe you're someone who's experienced the miraculous in your life, maybe you feel there's so much mess in your life, or so much suffering, wherever we're coming from, whatever our experience, Jesus has defeated death and made it possible for you to call God your father. 